think of younger days when I lived for my life was everything a man could want to do. I could never see. Welcome back to Love, Bath, Love Talk on Bath Girls Ivy. Uh, I'm waiting for Joan Duffy to log in so we can talk about uh, her talk today at the Beinecke, uh virtual talk through the Beinecke, uh around uh, the woman, the Black woman who left her life savings to the Yale Divinity School so that African-American men could be educated. And uh, it's a, uh, 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 Reverend Jerry Streets is a, uh, is going to have her speak at Dixwell UCC too to talk about this, to spread the story about um, Mary Ann Goodman. Um, so I'm looking forward to having this conversation with uh, Joan. I don't know where she is. We, we short up the time. So maybe she's trying to log in from somewhere. <laughs> so hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully she'll be able to get on. And we could talk a little, we could talk about this. Uh, I, I love these kinds of extraordinary stories of people who, you know, uh, just leave these legacies for people to benefit from. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to having her come on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, yesterday was just such a, you know, a, a child in need, you know, I, it's a, it's a, it's one of those things that just stays with you in your spirit because, uh, you know, I, you, you know, you in those moments you just see how vulnerable our children are. You know what I mean? Like some real vulnerability there. You know, uh, gosh, you know, I'm just glad we were there. And you know, as I was coming back from break, you know, I'm sure that there would have been any number of people that would have been in this child's path to get her to safety. I, I, I'm sure, I, I like to believe that with my whole heart, you know, that, 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 that she was supposed to be fine. You know what I mean? Like that we were the, we were the first stop on that, on that trip. And, and if we weren't there, I dare say, there would have been other opportunities for her to get to safety. That's how I'm thinking about this now. Um, I can't. I'm, I can't dwell in what if we weren't there. I just have to move toward believing that she was meant to be uh, uh, taken care of, cared for, and uh, and that that would have continued. That would have happened whether uh, we were there or not. That, that's how I'm thinking about this kind of thing, you know. That's how I'm thinking about this, and uh, and that 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 feels better to me than than in the space of, gosh, what would have happened? So anyway, oh, here's Joan now. I'm glad she she could make it. I can't wait to hear the story. I can't wait to hear how she knows the story. And I can't wait to hear what she's going to do with this story. 
you know, and who else would be interested in this story? I'm look, I'm looking forward to that. So, you know. Hey Joan, you have to unmute yourself and come in. Hello. Hi. How are you? It's good. It's great to see you, Babs. Nice to see you. How are you? Pretty good. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I'm ready for this. Are you? <laughs> yes. Tell me the story. Tell tell me the story. Tell me your connection to the story. Okay. Well, I I don't want to give away the best of it, which will be on today's webinar, Mondays at Beinecke from 4 to 5 p.m. Um, I sent you a QR code so that at the end, maybe you could show that and the, the viewers could um, snap that and uh, go right to the webinar, uh, go to the registration. But um, I, I started researching Mrs. Mary Ann Goodman uh, because I had so many requests for more information about her. Uh, she was an African-American woman who lived from 1804 to 1872. She was born in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, and uh, her, her family was enumerated uh, among slaves in Pittsfield. Um, uh, she, uh, she was indentured when she became old enough to, to uh, take a job outside, uh, outside of her home. And uh, when she fulfilled that obligation, um, the family was, was free and they moved to New Haven, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. So um, a very interesting um, part of the story is that um, they, they live next door or very close by a family by the name of Day. And uh, Gad Day uh, was a builder. And, um, and so, um, his sons were about 10 years younger than Mary Ann when she was growing up. Uh, they, uh, they may have been friends, but the families definitely knew each other and were friendly. Uh, they moved to New Haven at the, around the same time. And um, uh, throughout their lives, they, they had contact with each other. So there, there are many connections that um, I never anticipated, but it is, it's an incredible story. Uh, so the, the two uh, day boys, this was a white family, they went to Yale Divinity School. We now have a room in our library uh, that was um, funded by uh, George Edward Day. He gave the money and the books to start that library. And um, so Mrs. Goodman uh, really doesn't fit the mold of someone who would give a scholarship to Yale Divinity School, but she was a woman of faith. Her, uh, her family uh, belonged to the Congregational Church in Pittsfield. 
they uh, belong when they moved to New Haven, they joined um, the College Street Congregational Church in New Haven, which is right where the College Street Music Hall is. And um, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, that was a church. Uh, it burned oh. down in a tragic fire. Um, but yes, that, that's right where it was. So there's very a lot of special spots in New Haven uh, relating to this story. Many tangents that um, it's, it's little rabbit holes to go down with the people that she knew, but it is a story of, of real inspiration. Um, she um, she uh, was, was a woman of faith, as I said, and uh, at that time, uh, Yale Divinity School and Yale University did not admit um, and matriculate people of color, men of color, because women, we weren't even at women yet. <laughs> so um, uh, she, she knew, though, that the time would come when it would be important for there, there to be educated ministers of color in the church. And some tried to, uh, to study at Yale Divinity School, like James W.C. Pennington, who became the second, uh, the second minister and the first black minister of the, the uh, Temple Street African Ecclesiastical Society, which is now still going strong as our Dixwell Avenue Congregational Church. So um, she, uh, she knew these people, she knew their stories. And so uh, through, through many twists and turns, um, she, she thought it was, um, it was important to see that, that uh, men of color, could get an education for the ministry. And upon her death in 1872, she, uh, the, her, her uh, complete uh, uh, bequest to the Yale Divinity School uh, amounted to $5,000. And that amounts in this day and age to over one hundred and twenty-one thousand dollars. So <laughs> it's it, it was a, a very generous um, gift, um, and and she um, it's it's said that she she forgot about her own burial and didn't put aside any money for her burial, um, but. I actually saw in her papers that she did have a plot in the new cemetery, which would not have been Grove Street where she's buried. The new cemetery at that point in time would have been the Evergreen Cemetery. And I even went poking around there and found where her father and her stepmother are wow. buried. And so the, those uh, connections also opened up other little 
micro stories. So um, she uh, she had amongst her friends um, people of both races, and she was much beloved. It's, it's obvious from from the um, the uh, uh, letters and other papers that that I found. Um, she she was much beloved by her neighbors and friends and uh, people in her church. Um, her father also, George Edward Day actually wrote obituaries for both of them. And he thought they were important enough that Pittsfield, Massachusetts ought to know how things turned out after they moved to New Haven. And he said that her maiden name was Brewster, by the way. So her father, Charles Brewster, um, uh, he, he was uh, described as such a wonderful gentleman, generous and kind and, and many other wonderful things. And, and the same uh, with, with um, Mrs. Goodman. She was married twice. She, uh, her first husband um, was named William Hopkins and uh, he passed away uh, unexpectedly in 1847. And um, he's supposed to be buried in Grove Street Cemetery. And though, though I could not find any record in the cemetery to prove that, but he is in a list of, of uh, burials for that, uh, that uh, year. And so that makes me happy that at least uh, she's, she's with a member of her family. Um, she's, she's buried in what they call the Yale section. And um, so, so she's, she's the greatest among them, I would say. <laughs> And you have uh, children, Joan. Did, did she have children? Were there children? No, she never she never had children, at least none that survived uh, to the point at which I uh, have found records of her. Um, it may be that she married a little later in life because she was obligated to be indentured out to fulfill her her. Uh, obligations and as as uh, a slave I hate to say but um, she uh, was the uh, one very important part of the story is um, the the Reverend Simeon S Jocelyn who who was the, the first um, minister of the uh, Temple Street, African Ecclesiastical Society. Um, he, uh, he and his brother, Nathaniel Jocelyn, uh, who painted the beautiful portrait of Sinke from the Amistad ship, um, they, they uh, bought up land in um, parts of New Haven. So, uh, and, and it, they, they got help from uh, some more wealthy New Haven people like Thomas R. Trowbridge, who was in shipping, and uh, 
they they were able to um, sell the land at at quite a reduced rate. Uh, and it was not only an area for African-Americans, but it was to be a mixed community where people wanted to have their own businesses and, um, and have their own happy, harmonious community. The only thing they were not allowed was to consume ardent spirits, as they call them. <laughs> so um, those neighborhoods are still around today. Trowbridge Square, Jocelyn Square, Chatham Square. They were in several parts of the town. And, um, and so this is how the, the uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hopkins, and later when he, when she remarried Bradley Goodman, um, they, they had property, they had their own businesses. Mrs. Goodman was a washerwoman and she, uh, she took in um, uh, jobs from, from the neighborhood and elsewhere. Um, her, her uh, first husband um, was a joiner, which, which was a job that he did uh, fancy carpentry work. Her second husband, Bradley Goodman, um, was, uh, was kind of a jack of all trades. When they met, he owned a grocery store, which is, is where Sally's Pizza parking lot is today. And he also had some business interests in New York City uh, and owned land there as well. So when he passed away, uh, also prematurely in 1851, um, again, Mrs. Goodman came into uh, his, his um, uh, property, his, his uh, finances and, and everything. And so, um, it, it was, it was an incredible story of success in many, many ways. And, um, people were, were helping each other, um, to succeed. And so you said they lived, where did they live in Trowbridge? They, Park? they lived, Square? they lived, they lived near Trowbridge Square. Mrs. Goodman, uh, and, and her husband's, uh, lived at uh, 115 Carlisle Street, one block and that, and it was th that, that address is not there anymore. Um, so it was described in the, the city directory as, as being near Howard Avenue. And one block down from there, the Reverend Simeon Jocelyn and his family lived at the corner of Putnam and Howard Avenue. So, um, so Jocelyn lived among the people that he was helping and serving in his church. Um, so it was it was a, a mixed neighborhood of people who who cared for each other and and. Um, helped create a harmonious community. Wow. And so, <laughs> and so they went to uh, the congregational church, 
which was mm -hmm. at that particular time downtown on College Street. Yes. Okay. Yes, it's amazing um, that there were a number of churches that sprung up um, from um, uh, they they uh, many of the churches in New Haven would would have what they called mission churches in different parts of town um, because people didn't have the transportation like like today. Um, but it, um, it seemed like all of the churches that, that were springing up in, in the mid to late 1830s were, were mixed race churches. So something happened where there was, there was not that segregation. Um, the, the church that, uh, that Jocelyn was the first pastor of um, and now Dixwell Avenue, that was founded specifically to be a church for African-Americans. But the, the church that, that Mrs. Goodman went to and her father, and stepmother um, moved to a different part of town and, and they, they went uh, to the Howe Street Congregational Church. Um, okay. and yeah, there's a lot of congregational they, churches. <laughs> they were all over town. Um, the, there was a Park Street Church. There was a Church Street Church. Um, um, there was a pilgrim church, um, and but those those churches all had mixed race um, uh, members. So uh, something something good, I would say, happened that um, people were decided to live in harmony. They they were not content to segregate people on the basis of race. Um, and I, I think that this is, is a, a very positive and inspirational story that is, is not what we hear, certainly not what we hear and people experience today. And uh, it's, it's, um, I, I have been very surprised and, and happily so to um, learn the things that I have learned. Mm -hmm. um, Mrs. Goodman also had, uh, had a friend who wrote a letter and said uh, he wrote after her death to, uh, to Mr. Day and said, if, if you find among Mrs. Goodman's um, uh, possessions uh, a picture of myself and my brothers when we were young, uh, I would like that back because it was the only copy. And uh, it was hard to read the signature, but I stuck with it and it turned out that it was A, C, Luca, L-U-C-A. So I, I hunted around to find the identity of Mr. Luca. It turns out that he was, he was one of four brothers, the sons of the uh, organist and choir director 
from the the churches that uh, that the Brewsters and Marianne uh, went to in New Haven, and they um, they became they became famous performers, um, singers, and musicians. Um, they uh, they they were known as the Luca family singers, and they would perform at abolitionist um, meetings. And at the time, there was uh, a white group, uh, a family uh, of um, uh, men and women, brothers and sisters, who were they were the Hutchinson family, and they did the same thing. They were uh, performing at abolitionist um, meetings and using their music to to um, spread the word and awareness that slavery was not a good thing; it needed to end, and so the Hutchinsons invited the Lucas to travel with them. <laughs> and they were such a big hit. One of the Luca uh, boys, when they were, they started this when they were young, very young, and he was a boy soprano. Uh, when he grew up, uh, he, he turned into an amazing pianist. And he, of all of them, he, he got the most cheers whenever they performed. And later he went to Liberia and he, uh, he used the rest of his life um, teaching music in the new colony that was formed for African-Americans who wished to return to their homeland, though they may have been a few generations away from, from their homeland. Um, but uh, he, he uh, wound up writing the Liberian National Anthem, uh, composed the music and the lyrics were written by the president of Liberia. Wow, wow, this is such a New Haven connection. This is crazy. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, who knew that we had this amazingly talented singing group in, uh, in the early 1800s, um, right up through their adulthood when they, they moved to um, Zanesville, Ohio. Uh, some continued to perform. Um, Unfortunately, the brother who, who moved to Liberia, when he did come back to the States to, to see his family, uh, he had contracted uh, a, a fever in, from Africa and, um, and he passed away from it. So that was right around the time when Mrs. Goodman also passed away. So, um, wow. So, so what was the most interesting? What was the most interesting thing about this? Like, how did you know to find this? Like, how did it fall into your hands to like do this looking and digging? Well, that's why they call me Joan of Archives. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that, Joan of Archives. Uh, I love it. 
Well, we, we um, Yale, of course, knew about Mrs. Goodman because she, she gave this uh, scholarship and her papers are archived with the uh, treasurer's, uh, Yale treasurer's papers um, and manuscripts and archives at Sterling Memorial Library. Um, and the, the uh, chief research archivist, Judith Ann Schiff, had researched her many years ago, but um, uh, it, it was, uh, it, it was just that people wanted to know more about her than, than just the, the basic facts about the scholarship and, um, and why she was um, buried in Grove Street Cemetery and why did she give all of her money and not even think of saving uh, some to bury herself. Um, and I would get questions all the time about that. So I knew there, there, had, there was a real woman behind the story. And so um, that the human part is what I wanted to sort of dig up, if you forgive me for using that. Uh, but uh, I, I tried to not leave any stone unturned. Um, I, I, I went to the cemeteries uh, looking for um, the family members. Uh, when I went to Evergreen Cemetery to find um, Mr. and Mrs. Brewster, um, there was just grass and in, in the space where they were. Well, I knew there had to be something under there. So I, I took a stick and, um, and I moved a little bit of the soil and sure enough, there was a stone. So I was able to um, uncover that a bit. And then the folks at the cemetery uh, did, did a much better job of it. So now the, the stone is visible um, and I'm, I'm making sure that uh, all of this information will be accessible to people. Uh, I've asked to, to have the uh, treasurer's office papers relating to Mrs. Goodman uh, digitized and those will be um, put into the, to Yale's um, digital library, which is in development. Um, I'm, I'm uh, going to add all of the, um, the, the graves and find a grave and make the connections from the family members. Mary Ann's own mother named Mary passed away in 1834 in Pittsfield. So that, that was uh, something that I learned only fairly recently. I don't, just because I, I write down the, the information and present it, it doesn't mean the research is over. I always keep my eye out for, for more uh, gems that might come up. So um, she, she is in the Pittsfield Cemetery. And um, so I will make all those connections so that anyone can follow up for more information.
So today you're having your virtual talk with the Bainy Key, through the Bainy Key, of the Bainy Key, from the Bainy Key. Today at what, four o'clock? Is, is this Mondays at the Bainy Key? Mondays at Bainy Key, yes, from yes. four to almost 5 p.m. Yeah. Yes. And yours is a virtual talk, so people can log in. I posted it up on our on our Facebook page, so it's Perfect. there. So, so I've been sharing it and, and connecting you to it and the Bainy Key to it and just putting it up there so people can check it out. So that's today. Oh, and, and thank you, Harry, for putting it up. Monday's ah, in the Key. So Marianne <laughs> there it is. with Joan Duffy. So uh, Joan of the Archives. Okay, <laughs> so that's today at four, four o'clock. And, uh, and you can tune in and you can learn more about uh, Marianne Goodman, her life, her legacy, how she left in 1872, $5,000 is now like, you know, $100,000. Um, and it's still a scholarship. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Joan, for for uh, for just like sharing this wonderful, rich story um, for us to us. I'm so glad I I uh, reconnect. So Joan and I went to Church of the Redeemer together. So she is my church sister, <laughs> and forever will always be my church sister. So I was just yes. so happy to first of all to see her. And secondly, to hear about this story. So I was so glad that you could come on this morning to uh, share a little bit. So if anybody wants to know more about this wonderful story, today at four o'clock, she'll be on talking about this. Um, just log in and register and do all the stuff you have to do virtually. And then uh, and she'll walk you through this wonderful story because I know there's way more richness to this story than what she shared this morning with us. <laughs> Thank you, Joan. It's so good to see you. You too, Babs. Always. So feel free to contact me anytime you find more gems. <laughs> okay, sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for the this opportunity. It has been an honor, and I I hope to see you again soon. Yes, Joan of the Archives. We shall soon. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I'll be back tomorrow, y'all. Have a nice day, and go check out Joan of the Archives. Uh, at Beinecke today at four o'clock virtually. Hear more about Marianne Goodman. Uh, thank you, Harry Droz. <laughs>